talk about a photo finish. It was uh, filing at the last minute, practically. Well, let's say the last hour. Roland Bato de la Rosa, who used to be the chief of the Philippine National Police, the head of the uh, government police agency that is national in character in the Philippines, is now running to be president of the Philippines. He filed his position and uh, seeking his position and a move that is seen by some analysts as a possible way to hold a slot open under Philippine law a uh, candidate can be replaced by another candidate should the other candidate have financial difficulties or should the other candidate suddenly decide or their party decide to adopt a new candidate to fill their seat. And this is, of course, something that also exists in some U.S. states actually have very similar rules and laws with local elections. But according to Batu de la Rosa, yes, the man who is named after Stone he is running to be the next president of the Republic of the Philippines. Oh, I am running to become the next president of the Republic of the Philippines. Sir, is this not a mockery of the election process? I am running to become the next president of the Republic of the Philippines. Sir, is this not a mockery of the election process? Huh? Is this not a mockery of the election process? Why? Sir, given do, the... do, I, do I look like a mockery to you? Huh? Sir, but you say... Do I look like a mockery to you? I, am, I won as a senator. Number five ako last, uh, last uh, election. Number five ako na senator. Is that mockery? I, I am... Uh, is it a mockery to the 19 million Filipinos who voted for me as senator of the, this republic? Napaka-insulto naman na tanong yun. According to De La Rosa, of course, those who will believe that he is just there as a placeholder have a lot to... Well, believe and think about because he may not be. However, some of his earlier statements in the same press conference seem to be, well, surprisingly leaning towards that direction. And how exactly Senator De La Rosa intends to continue with his candidacy and his campaign is something that, well, has to long be figured out. Now, of course, it was the last day of filing. It was at four o'clock in the afternoon when he put in his paperwork. And if anybody knows who's been filing for running in an election in the Philippines, it takes a lot of paperwork. I mean, you got to chop down two, three, four trees just to get it all done. <laughs> Five copies of this, four copies of that, six copies of this, eight copies of that. And then it's got to go to uh, all the regional copies. And then it's got to go into a whole bunch of other stuff. I remember when a uh, friend and relative ran for a national position in the Philippines years ago and I was there when they were filing all the paperwork and it literally filled the entire rear section of a uh, small, well no, rather a large American SUV just to be able to uh, give you a, a visual picture as to just how many stacks of papers needed to be filed and that was just for the position of Senator and of course Senator De La Rosa is running as part of the CUSI wing of the Partido Democrático Filipino Laban or Philippine Democratic Party fight wing of uh, a party that has been around since the uh, Marcos era. Uh, PDP Laban dates back to around 1981 when there was an election for an interim batasan or an interim uh, assembly 
under the uh, Marcos era when elections were first restored. It was one of the first electoral uh, parties of the opposition to take part. It is, of course, President Rodrigo Duterte's party. And Senator De La Rosa, uh, who was, as he said, elected by 19 million votes, is indeed a legal national figure and candidate as required by Philippine electoral laws. Expect, of course, protests to be filed as to his uh, candidacy. There is another wing of the PDP Laban, which is being uh, run by Senator Manuel Pacquiao, uh, who is also from the same general region as uh, Senator uh, De La Rosa, who is from uh, Mindanao as well. Let's listen to the rest of the press conference as it went. Laban sa droga, criminalidad, corruption, at terrorismo. At uh, ang pagpatuloy sa pagbangon ng ating ekonomiya amidst the pandemic. Senator De La Rosa there was saying that he intends to continue the fight against drugs, against terrorism, and against criminality. And also to work to find ways to bring the country's people back up amidst the issues of the COVID pandemic crisis. Let's listen to some more. Ako, nag-design. Ang partido ang nag-design na tumakbo ko. At, ha? Ngayon lang ba, sir? Ha? Patagal na! Patagal na! Patagal na ba ang tinatagal ng namin? Hindi na ba nag-start para kasi kumaagad na magbabalita? So basically what De La Rosa was asking questions, answering questions there, was it his decision to run or was did somebody else put him up to it? He basically is saying it was his decision, of course, to run and seek the presidency, but also beyond that, that it was a party decision. And this is very important because being part of a party is one of the clear capabilities under the Philippine Electoral Code that they are able to mount a national campaign in scope and character. So there's an indication of something. Of course, uh, he was asked, uh, are you going to be changed or palitan is the term? of Mayor Inday. Now, Mayor Inday is a nickname for Sara Duterte, who is the daughter of Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte, who was Senator De La Rosa's boss when he was in the Philippine National Police as Chief of Police of Davao City, where he served for a long time, and then later on as the National Police Chief. Let's listen in to some more. <laughs> you know. I don't know how we will do it kung ganun ang mangyari. I don't know. Sir, does this mean the party is still convincing uh, uh, Mayor Sara Duterte? I don't know. I don't know. Kung may pinag-usapan sila. Basta ako, 
I am running to become the next president of the Republic of the Philippines. Sir, is this not a mockery of the election process? Well, we went through that part of that press conference already. And of course, the long debate has to be raised, uh, as many have said, that uh, at the end of the term of uh, President Duterte, uh, there will be a lot more to be discussed in uh, who will continue to run and be part of uh, what exactly uh, will be the next administration. Uh, and of course, the protection that that gives certain individuals from possible ICC cases, which is the International Criminal Court has said that they have sent out investigators to deal with the drug war uh, campaign in the Philippines that has led to thousands of deaths. Some believe that many of those instances were the result of extrajudicial action, or in other words, targeted assassination of drug dealers and others. Now, there are critics who have said that this was beyond the scope of the law or what the law allows in the Philippines. However, others point to the fact that the entire uh, Philippine drug deaths in the drug war of over five years, amounting to tens of thousands, is basically less than one month or two months of the equivalent type of drug cartel combat actions that have taken place in places like Mexico or Colombia. Uh, and that the uh, violence in other countries is being ignored by the ICC uh, and other uh, courts across international spheres of justice just to be able to justify their actions that primarily serve a very strong political lobby in the United States that seeks the legalization of certain types of drugs in the Philippines. Welcome to The Source, where we combine the headlines with in-depth conversations with the newsmakers themselves. I'm Pinky Webb. Today... So that's Pinky Webb. We used to be uh, co-anchors every now and then when I would be filling in for somebody on ANC. Uh, of course, she works for CNN Philippines. I'm just listening into uh, her interview here, a recording of it, with uh, Bato de la Rosa that, that uh, she also had. And, uh, you know, maybe you can get a little more insight. Uh, Pinky has a way of, of getting to the source and getting to the information a little bit. We'll just play one little bit of audio and listen to what De La Rosa says, uh, you know, that, 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 that are coming in uh, from, from her point of view. Of course, the surprise move of De La Rosa's uh, run is uh, something that was unexpected. Now, whether or not he will continue in that position or move down or shift up or move over is something that a lot of people uh, have to consider and, and think about. Uh, there is a lot of talk on a lot of issues in particular uh, with all of this uh, that, that uh, are, are going on. Now, according to De La Rosa, uh, his primary concern would be to move into sectors that are to deal with the pandemic and, of course, uh, its surrounding areas. Let's listen to what he had to say to Pinky on that. Safe though it all. So far, dahil nga yung, uh, yung Sinopharm, uh, yun siguro ang gusto ko. Kung merong available noon at uh, yung offer yun. So yun ang gusto ko sana. Dahil uh, it has been using uh, technology na proven over time na safe daw ito. So far, 
dahil nga yung uh, naman yung mga existing natin ngayon ng mga boxes ay the same uh, technology ang ginagamit dito yung uh, inactivated pathogens na ginagamit nila so proven safe na ito dahil yung, ito ginagamit sa anti-rabies natin ngayon na existing yung mga anti-flu yung mga anti uh, 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 yung basta maraming vaccines na ginagamit na uh, using the same technology. Uh, so we know as uh, De La Rosa speaks uh, on the issue of vaccines and, and the Sinopharm uh, vaccine availability is something that he would like to see. It is a slightly more expensive vaccine than Sinovac, which has been something that has uh, uh, been uh, in use around the Philippines. And, uh, you know, uh, Unfortunately, uh, from from what we can tell from the interview, he hasn't even vaccinated yet himself. So, uh, immunity, two to ano ilang sa ilang mas bisag na two to three months or two to three to two to four months. But uh, ako sa ngayon na uh, more than two months na ako, then uh, I was diagnosed with COVID nineteen November twenty. So November twenty uh, after fourteen day after. Uh, 21 days, I was uh, declared uh, COVID negative. So, I don't know, ang start ng counting yan is yung uh, November 20, kung saan ako na positive or November uh, ayong after 21 days. So, you know, he's talking here. I think this is probably an old interview that they're mixing in with the new information about his running. And uh, of course, what is going on in that area as to how uh, you know he, he was uh, um, being uh, you know uh, someone who, who did get infected with the uh, the uh, uh, vaccine. Another top issue that's going around the Philippines, of course, today was uh, the uh, uh, well uh, uh, announcement by the uh, Nobel Committee that uh, Maria Ressa, uh, who many of us. Uh, who worked at ABS-CBN, worked with for many years, has won the uh, one, one of the winners of the uh, Nobel Prize. Now, exactly the entire scope of that, we really don't know yet. We'll wait for that. Uh, there was a excerpt from the announcement that she received, and uh, you know, we can try and play a little bit of that. Now, this, of course, comes from the Nobel Committee and uh, how exactly uh, they do this is, is they call the recipients before it's going to be announced. And uh, so, so I guess it gives you an insight as to what it would be like to uh, be nominated or named or whatever, and uh, how all that kind of, uh, kind of works for, for people who are uh, in this uh, type of situation. And uh, you know how exactly they um, uh, get the call, get the message. It's, it's a rare look, and it, this, of course, was audio released by the uh, uh, Nobel Committee. And we're gonna try and find it. I know I have it somewhere in here on this computer because somebody sent it to me. Actually, Caroline Howard, who used to be a uh, colleague of mine at uh, ANC and ABS-CBN. Uh, sent this to me and uh, it was it's something I guess she wants me to give a listen to and uh, get my thoughts on well, you know a lot of us who uh, who went through uh, 
uh, and, and lived around ABS-CBN during the time of her tenure, uh, also remember the uh, uh, situation that took place uh, with with some uh, labor issues at ABS-CBN. So maybe not everybody has the same uh, kind of, uh, how would I put it, uh, um, high level of support or, or fans of, uh, of uh, uh, this lady. But, uh, you know, uh, it still is a journalist from the Philippines who did win basically for standing up for press freedom. And uh, that, of course, uh, is an important topic, especially these days. However, there are questions as to the Nobel Committee uh, giving an award to someone who is also rumored to, you know, have been part of groups that have actually, uh, you know, been active on uh, uh, issues of, of uh, freedom of speech uh, with regard to, uh, you know, the, the um, um, how is that described, with regard to the um, uh, fact-checking and other topics that have also uh, come up uh, throughout this discussion. And uh, basically, uh, there's quite a bit of conversation into that. Because if, if you're running a news organization and then you're also subcontracted with Facebook and other organizations who run fact-checking and some fact-checkers, I'm not saying her fact-checking organization, but I'm saying some people who have been uh, in, involved in these fact-checking efforts have been viewed as groups who have a particle, uh, partisan political agenda. Also, her partnership with uh, The Intercept, which is funded by Pierre Omnidar. At around the same time, Pierre Omnidar founded the Never Trump Organization, uh, wherein uh, he was the principal donor when that organization first started. Hey, some people on the left and on the uh, liberal side of politics and media, that may be a pogey point, as they say in the Philippines, or a bagwapo, or, or, or a, uh, uh, a thing that, that builds your credibility within that particular sector of journalism that they believe uh, has the right to express uh, themselves and their agendas through their reporting. I'm not part of that school. Uh, I'm part of an older school, maybe, even though this lady's old to me. She'll never admit it, though. But anyway, here is the call, essentially. Uh, and congratulations to her, whether or not you like them, this is what happened. Am I talking to Maria Ressa? You are, yeah. Yes, I'm Ola Mjölsa calling from the Norwegian Nobel Institute in Oslo. And I'm calling you on behalf of the Norwegian Nobel Committee. And it's a great pleasure for me, Maria, to inform you that at 11 o'clock local time here in Oslo, it will be announced that you are awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for 2021 for your courageous fight oh for God. freedom of expression in the Philippines. And you will be sharing the prize with another candidate, which I cannot disclose the name of uh, right now because I will need to call that person first. So oh my gosh. I will only congratulate you on behalf of the committee and we will come back to you later with more information. Uh, but I would be delighted to hear your immediate, spontaneous reaction to this news. I, I, I'm speechless. I've actually rise on another event, but my God, 
So that is her reaction. Uh, she's speechless. Many of the uh, former employees who went through the uh, strike and other uh, labor issues, ABS Union, when she was the head of that uh, news division, uh, are also somewhat less than speechless, and they're making a lot of commentary on it. Again, our congratulations to her. She got it. Hey, you know, what can you say? Not everybody always agrees with uh, other awards and prizes, but you got to hand it to her. She did uh, win, and it's uh, something to be proud of. Uh, so, in my case, a Filipino American, um, as I know uh, from from uh, conversations with people at a certain embassy, uh, she also is. So, you know, congratulations to her, and uh, you know, more uh, more power to her movement and development in uh, her field and her area of uh, that kind of journalism, which is primarily. Uh, journalism that involves, uh, you know, bringing in the area of uh, the area of uh, activism into the field as you are reporting or bringing up topics. And you know what? Hey, if that's what floats her boat. That's what makes her happy. That's what uh, her her school is. You got to agree to disagree sometimes in this business. Um, I'm no longer as active as I once was, primarily because of disability. And uh, it is something that uh, those of us who are in this field uh, realize that, you know, you're only as good as your last story. And, and when somebody wins an award, especially an award as prestigious as the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, that is something uh, that, that, of course, uh, shows that, hey, you know, anyone can do it if you work hard enough, try hard enough, and uh, stick to your guns and uh, I guess have the right uh, backing for it and backing and meaning nominations and all that uh, and, and bring those topics and conversations out. Of course, uh, again, uh, that is uh, what exactly the issue is on that topic. Those are, of course, the, uh, the uh, you know, uh, topics uh, to brought from. But I remember a different school of journalism and different words and a different podcast I did on a topic similar to this. So, going back to the 1970s was a time when uh, many of us who were alive at that time uh, or born at that time or raised at that time or in the 80s and followed of a simpler world of media. There were three broadcast networks, NBC, ABC, and CBS. Later on, CNN came into play and other smaller networks. There were always networks on the radio, but in broadcasting, big key figure was a guy by the name of Uncle Walter. Who was Uncle Walter? Well, that was Walter Cronkite. Now, at that time, liberalism, when they said it, was being liberal meant being fair to all. Unfortunately, that does not seem to be much of what we see anymore these days from so-called liberal media types. The classic liberal attitude has changed. Anyway, usually before I go to sleep, I listen to uh, old-time radio classics. These are old radio dramas from the 1930s and 40s. And as I was listening to one, I heard that old familiar voice of Uncle Walter talking about broadcast journalism and how broadcast journalists are... Walter Cronkite admitted he was a liberal, but... But we are professional journalists. 
This is the technique. We are trying to reach an objective. We're trying to be objective. We have been taught from the day we went to school when we began to know we wanted to be journalists. Integrity, truth, honesty, and this attempt to be objective. We try to present the news as objectively as possible, whether we like it or don't like it. Okay. And that, of course, is uh. Well, of course, uh, even then they had liberal bias issues uh, back in the, that era. But, you know, Walter Cronkite basically said that essentially, whether or not you agree with someone, you have to, at times, let them take a bow if they do something that improves their stature or status. And uh, being fair and balanced means covering all sides and giving all sides an opportunity. So congratulations to the team at Rappler and uh, those uh, who support Miss Reza and uh, her uh, uh, fan base that goes from the Philippines to Indonesia uh, to many parts of the United States and I guess now in Oslo, Norway where she just won a Nobel Prize. Anyway, that's it for me for now from uh, the uh, desk that I have uh, here in New York City. Uh, where I just basically ramble on about anything I can think of at the top of the day or the bottom of it or whatever. Hey, it's my little podcast and this has been Mike of New York. I am Mike K. Cohen wishing you a pleasant good day, good night, and have a wonderful tomorrow. Thank you.